HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses and Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, April 15th. This is the 60th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is known as the guy who ate queens, and I will introduce him in a moment. But first, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. Today's tip is to try new things. Sure, having a routine can be nice, and sticking with what you know is certainly safe, but experiencing new things can be amazing and fruitful. In PR, taking a different approach can lead to positive results, and in life, Tasting different foods and checking out new destinations can be exhilarating. The worst case scenario is you won't like something, and you don't have to do it again. That's it. So don't be afraid to be adventurous. The old and familiar will still be there when you return. That's my tip today. Now, my guest is Joe DiStefano, a Queens-based food writer, TV personality, and tour guide who has been covering New York City's restaurant scene for 20 years. Culinary luminaries recognize Joe as a go-to source on the city's tapestry of cuisines and cultures. Joe's blog, Chopsticks and Marrow, has a heavy focus on food in Queens, which remains his passion. He is also now spearheading New York Epicurean events, a new farm-to-festival movement. Joe is an intrepid eater and explorer, and I'm very happy to have him on the show today. So welcome, Joe. Thanks, Sherry. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I, I was just thinking of uh, your PR tip, uh, being adventurous and trying new things. That's kind of what I'm all about. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I was a little inspired by my tip today, thinking about you, because I'm about that, but I think you're even more so about that. You know, you really, your whole career is is pretty much trying new things, I think, in food. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, I'm, I'm driven to do that, plus I'm... I'm blogging four or five times a week, so I'm always trying to find something new. Right. So you're blogging on your website, Chopsticks and Marrow. Mm-hmm. And so how did that get started? And tell me a bit about your background. Did you grow up in Queens? Like, why Queens? Well, I, you know, I was born in Queens, and I grew up on Long Island, but I've, you know, I've, I've always had a real passion for food. Um, I blame a couple of things, my Italian-American upbringing, so that includes everything from uh, uh, seafood on Christmas Eve to uh, one of my aunts making handmade pasta. And the other thing uh, that kind of made me who I am today was uh, going to Chinatown with my father from a very, very young age. And uh, the third factor in this would be moving to Queens about... uh, I guess, 25 years ago. And so, you know, why Queens? It's sort of like, um, you know, obviously it's where I live. Would I be a different blogger if I lived on the Upper West Side? Yeah, maybe. I pro- I think I'd still be going to Queens. The guy you know, that ate the Upper West Side doesn't have doesn't, the same ring does, to it. It doesn't work for me. <laughs> but, no, you know, Qu- Queens is the kind of place where, uh, you know, just yesterday I... Um, in the course of like two hours, I, I sampled um, Thai food, Nepalese food, a Bangladeshi street side snack, Mexican seafood cocktail, and Ecuadorian food, um, all without hopping on a plane. It's amazing. Now, were, did you go to places yesterday that you knew of, or were these new places you were trying out? Well, th- this was. Um, sort of a curated experience uh, that I was doing with Lonely Planet. So these were all places that I had vetted. But often I'll, um, you know, I'm, I'm always looking to find new stuff, as, as I said. Yeah, I want to know, so how do you do your research? How do you find places? Because I, I think you know about places that most of us don't. And a lot, for me, I can refer to food dining guides that I think cover a lot of them cover the same more uh, popular places but I think you really seek out destinations that the common folk even the common folk in the food industry like me don't know about well you you know what it is um, I'm on the ground all the time you know so it's kind of like um, just shoe leather and having a second sense at this point, you know, plus I know a lot of people, so people say, you know, hey, I'm opening a place, or did you try um, so-and-so's noodles? Uh, you know, and basically, you know, why do I know about food and flushing? I'm in flushing two or three times a week. Um, so it's from your relationships and being there. And what, so how has Queens changed over the 25 years that you've been living there or plus well what what i've seen is um you know it used to be that so so roosevelt avenue is a corridor that runs in queens underneath the seven line and it used to be <clears throat> and maybe um 
say like 2000, there used to be a Korean restaurant and I walked in and I said, um, hey, can I see the menu? And the woman said, no, this is only for Koreans. And I said, but can I have a takeout menu? And she said, I, you know, I have a friend who reads Korean. She said, no, this is just for Koreans. And there isn't so much of that insular attitude anymore, you know, and maybe some of that has something to do with uh, folks like Anthony Bourdain and Andrew Zimmern and uh, people like me and people like Dave Cook of Eating in Translation. Uh, you know, so people became more open about exploring food, and as that was going on, um, certain uh, ethnic groups moved into Queens, so you probably know, um, what's the first thing you think of when you think of Jackson Heights in terms of food? Indian food. Okay, so it's so Jackson Heights has been Indian for a very long time. There's still some Indian there, but what what's happened there in the past decade is that a lot of people from um, the Himalayas, so Tibet, Nepal, Bhutan, have moved in to Queens and have open restaurants, and so now there's... Um, there's probably about 20 restaurants serving foods from uh, this area of the world. And at the same time, this has been going on. Um, you know, high-end restaurateurs like um, Hugh Dufour from M. Wells have come on the scene. And so now now you have guys, uh, Michelin-starred chefs, uh, making their own spin on what's ostensibly a queen's food like... Um, uh, bibimbap. So we have a guy doing uh, bibimbap with uh, razor clams and foie gras. So um, I, I just think it's more exciting than ever these days. It is. And when I think of bibimbap, I think I learned of that in college. It's Korean. Yeah, right? it's, yeah, it's okay. a Korean food, yes. Well, I feel this is going to be the show that calls me out on knowing nothing about food. <laughs> Because I, I don't know anything about Himalayan cuisine. I really don't. Now, I know you do you do these food tours, and I saw on your website there's one on Himalayan cuisine. So tell me about that. And, and, and you're going, this is in Jackson Heights, and when did you start that doing that tour? So this tour, um, I, I like to call it the Himalayan Heights tour because there's so many Tibetans. Uh, I started doing this tour about uh, two or three years ago, and basically it's a two and a half hour tour that explores um, the various restaurants and street carts and um, some wonderful little shops that serve uh, that uh, sell uh, artifacts as well as foods and uh, condiments from Tibet. It's fun. I'm, I'm actually taking some clients out uh, this weekend on that tour. I have to come on these tours. I know I've been you saying do. that to you for years. Yes. I I really do. So so what what's what's what are popular dishes in Himalayan cuisine? Like what's what's a stop in your tour? So one stop would be um, for Momo. Momo are uh, Korean beef dumplings. They look a little bit like soup dumplings. Um, there's less broth in them. They kind of have a little bit of um, ginger, Chinese celery, white pepper, those sort of seasonings. Absolutely lovely. And one of my lovely. One of my favorite places is this little place, Lhasa Fast Food. It's tucked away in the, literally in the back of a cell phone store. <laughs> of course so it I, is. So I love taking people there. 
So for people who want to <laughs> sign up in your tours, you, they go to your website, and how many, how many people do you take at once in a, in a tour? Well, it depends. So let's talk about how people find me. People okay. find me through my website, through um, Viable.com or other ticketing uh, booking-type websites like Vimbly. And typically, um, I like to keep the groups relatively small, but not too small. So a good size is between uh, four to nine people is a nice size. Now, the people that come on the tour pay in advance. And, and then you. how do you work with the restaurants that you are visiting? Do they know you're coming? Or you've been doing this long enough that they just know to expect you at some point? <laughs> It's it's more it, it's more the latter. I mean, listen. Sometimes I do very specific tours where I have to line something up in advance. But you know, like um, for the Chinatown, the Flushing Chinatown tour, I do uh, this one stall. Just they they know I'm always going to come and order pork and leek pot stickers, and it's become kind of a joke between me and the girl behind the counter. You know, she says. Oh, you're going to get Cortez? How do you know? So. <laughs> I finally made it out to Flushing and did did a little Chinese dumpling tour, I guess. We were going to do a bit of um, Pete Wells. He wrote about Korean restaurants. Yes. yes, he did. And I was with a couple of friends, and we went to Galaxy Dumpling. I don't know if that's on your tour. Yep. It was. I, I know those people really well. It was great. I mean, it was in a brand new shopping mall sure. compared to the other shopping mall out there that they're a little more run down and those places I didn't know how to navigate around. I mean, one of my friends had visited Flushing a lot and he was kind of leading us, but I think you would lead, uh, let, let, let me back you up for just a second. <laughs> so you just said you went there and in that kind of place, you wouldn't know what to do. So the more run down mall, that's called golden shopping mall. And here's my experience. When I first went there before the, um, Oh, God, whichever Olympics were in China, maybe I was in 98 or 2008, whichever. I went there, and it, the place hadn't been written up by the New York Times. There were no signs in English, and I didn't know what to do. I walked in, and I said, boy, something sure smells good. Everything looks good. Everything's in Chinese, and I left. And then I came back as a, someone wrote up wrote up something on Chow Hound, like, guide to one of the stalls and I kept going and kind of just spending a lot of time there to get to know um, the lay of the land so to speak well I think you do I mean that's it's I love that you're an expert on this now and you've spent the time because yes my experience going and just walking in the mall and seeing lots of vendors but not knowing first of all what where to order from and then if I chose a place what to order from there I think that is the key knowing what different restaurants specialize in what you want to get and uh, you know that stuff <laughs> yeah absolutely and and sometimes I find that stuff by saying you know the going back to that one dumpling I order at that one stall in New World Mall in Flushing I found that because I saw someone walking around with a plate of these awesome pot stickers, and I said, "Where'd you get that?" And they said, "Oh, over there." And now, when I order it, Chinese people look at it, and it comes from a stall called um, Lee's Hand Pulled Noodles. And you would look; the stall is all about noodles, but items number thirty and thirty-one 
are these wonderful dumplings. And now when I order it, Chinese people look at me and they say, where'd you get that? And that's how I know I'm doing my job. Absolutely. Okay, I want to get find out more about your tours. We're going to take a little break and come back. So stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Joe DiStefano, a Queens-based food writer and tour guide. We're talking a bit about his tours of, of Queens and Flushing. And so so the tours you have now, we've talked a bit about the, the Flushing Chinatown, Himalayan cuisine in Jackson Heights, and then you have another one, Flavors of Southeast Asia in Queens. Yes. Yes, okay. I do. And where are you going there? So... We're so lucky in Queens that we have two Chinatowns, one the uh, large bustling one in Flushing that you just mentioned. There's a second one in Elmhurst that skews very uh, Southeast Asian, so that's where we go on the flavors of Southeast Asian Queens tour. So Elmhurst, Queens has um, tons of Thai, Indonesian, Vietnamese, as well as Chinese food. It's really, really a great neighborhood. I was just there... uh, on Sunday for a Thai New Year's festival at a local temple. Just simply astounding. It sounds wonderful. What What's most popular out of your tours? I would say the Flushing Chinatown one is by far the most popular. Yeah, because maybe because it's most familiar, <clears throat> even though it's not familiar. <laughs> I think so. I think, I mean, if you look at it like it can be very overwhelming and it's so it's familiar in that, you know, like, hey, gee, I'd really like to be able to take my friends who are know more about it. And whereas the people who are going to go for Himalayan food are interested in it, but it doesn't have as much. Um, it's just not as uh, commonly recognized as Chinese food. You know, everybody loves Chinese food and wants to learn more about it. Right. And these tours are about how many hours are they? Typically from uh, three to three and a half hours, you know, and then I do other tours that, you know, uh, 
custom customized tours, which are can be anything. So you'll customize a tour for me if I want to do. What if I want to do all of these in one day? A whole day with Joe. If you want to do so, if you wanted to do a whole day with me, you know, some, <laughs> sometimes I do that. Uh, I like to do what I call a food camp, which um, can be a little bit tricky trying to figure out just how much to eat and how much walking. You know, like I, I've I've done uh, the entire seven line with people. You know, sort of selected stops. We'll start in Flushing, and we'll uh, you know go down the line and. Um, We'll do flushing. We'll do some Latino food and Corona. Then we would do some uh, Tibetan food, and we might wind up in uh, LIC at the end. Very cool. Now, I I mentioned before this Pete Wells article that Mm -hmm. he wrote about the Korean restaurant. Yes. Have you been – what's your take on that? Because I think for people like me, we we read it, and we were like, wow, this sounds great. Let's go. Yeah, well – I feel that way too, you know, um, perhaps a little less than you because some, <laughs> some of those places I've been to, but really here, here's the deal about that neighborhood in Queens. So K-Town in Manhattan is, we'll say, uh, a block and a half long because it's a block and a half long. Mm-hmm. So in Queens, Main Street butts into Northern Boulevard. Northern Boulevard goes east all the way out to Manhasset from Northern and Main more or less, all the way out to Manhasset, you're in Korea. So I don't even call it K-Town. I call it K-Tropolis. And there's, <laughs> there's just, there's so much stuff there. And many of the restaurants in Manhattan's Koreatown are sort of generalists. Like, this is a barbecue restaurant and we're going to offer the entire universe of Korean food within reason. And they have these encyclopedic menus, um... Whereas many of the restaurants in Flushing are very specific. Like, this is a barbecue restaurant, and but you go to this place for short rib, really. And yeah, maybe they have some other stuff, but this is the, um, the Kalbi place. And then you might have another one. This is the, uh, the pork belly or some sal place. Yeah, I I think he Pete noted that in his article that there were places maybe that had a picture of a duck, you know, on the awning, and you think you're supposed to get duck, but you're not. You're supposed to get you know noodles, so tricks. I but um, good to know. Good to know that you offer these tours, and I do need to get out there. Now let me ask you the question I have from a last week I had on Alice Chang of mm-hmm. Culinary Agents, and she wanted to know. Since you're known for your Queen's food tours, if you could have someone show you around anywhere in the world, where would you like to visit and eat? That's a tough question, but I would say um, I would say it's a tie between Hong Kong and like Bangkok, Thailand. Got it. Have you have you been to either of those places? No, I, I'm still working my way through Queens. I'm still <laughs> I'm still eating Queens. You are? Mm-hmm. Wow, amazing. Okay, good to know. Alice, if you're listening, that's his answer. Now let's talk about this this new New York Epicurean events that you have started. So what is it and, and what's the event you have coming up? Sure, so New York Epicurean events is a... Uh, 
a company that I started in January with my business partner, David Noth. Uh, David's a uh, fine, dining, fine dining chef, ex-hotel owner uh, with roots in uh, the Catskills of upstate New York. And really, uh, our mission uh, for New York Epicurean Events is to uh, pair the uh, products from farms and culinary artisans in the Catskill watershed area with uh, chefs in the greater New York City area. And as the name implies, we're going to do that through events. And our uh, our first big event is called the Catskills Comes to Queens. It's going to be held at Flushing Town Hall on August 1st from 6 to 9 p.m. And we're really excited about it. Uh, Flushing Town Hall is, it's funny, Flushing Town Hall sits kind of at the beginning of that Koreatown area we were just talking about, or Katropolis rather. And um, it's a great uh, Romanesque revival building. We're going to take the entire building. We're going to have uh, pitmasters outside cooking barbecue. Um, some, uh, you know, we'll have about twenty chefs, live music. It, it's going to be great. It sounds great. Of course, you're the guy that puts Catskills and Queens together. <laughs> Who are some of the chefs that are participating? Yes, yeah, so we're, we're really excited. So, so as I said, so far we have uh, Hugh Dufour from uh, Mwell's Steakhouse. Uh, he's going to be doing something. I think um, he talked about doing a giant tagine. We'll see. Hugh likes to do some uh, crazy stuff. Uh, we'll have uh, Andy Dubrava from uh, Salt and Fat in Sunnyside, which is a wonderful kind of... Uh, small plates restaurant that skews very Queens in terms of its use of uh, uh, international ingredients, for want of a better word. Um, Will Horowitz from Duck's Eatery. Will's a good friend. I can't wait to see what he makes. It's a good list. Uh, And um, Ed Cotton from uh, Soto 13 is going to be making uh, rabbit mortadella hot dogs, which I'm very excited to try. Interesting. Yeah. Plus, we'll, <laughs> and we'll have a bunch of pitmasters uh, cooking up barbecue uh, in the backyard of uh, Flushing Town Hall. Yeah, sounds great. I will have to check it out. So, just we're gonna take another break before we do. What do you What do you enjoy most about giving tours and and what you do? Well, you know. I like being able to sort of re-experience the sense of discovery through other people's eyes because I'm kind of do you know I know many of these places already, but it, it's just so cool. Like last week, um, I took a family from Antwerp, Belgium, around, and it was just so fun because it's like, well, which are their daughters, you know? knows how to use chopsticks, you know, from the most basic thing, which likes spicy food, which isn't awful. And then, uh, you know, for the the sense of discovery, when people try, um, I think they might have been most impressed by uh, and surprised by these Szechuan cold noodles, which uh, it's something to watch people tasting Szechuan peppercorn for the first time. That's sort of... Uh, That's the one that makes your mouth tingle? Yes. Yeah. I, I've had it more very, recently. I was at um, Mission Chinese, and his Maopo tofu dish has that. And it was so intense. It was. He, it was. It, I don't know. I can't even describe if I liked it or didn't like it. It just was different. If, if you're not prepared for it, so 
So it will, we'll take the example of the cold noodles I had. Um, you have to be careful with the amount of that stuff you use. Um, I like Danny's food. He really goes over the top with it. So let's <laughs> say like, you know, the on the meter, the level of Szechuan peppercorn and chili and garlic and other flavors in the noodles we had was like an eight. Danny likes to turn things up to 12. I would say like 20. <laughs> it was it was it was very intense um and I I wasn't expecting it to. So mm-hmm. um but that's yeah, he's he's doing he's doing good things down there uh in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Lower East Side. So, okay, great. I'm jealous. I still haven't been there. Oh, you have to go. It's so different. Did were you at the original one? Yes, I used to go to the original one all the time. It's about 5 times the size and it's just it's a larger menu. Um, it was happening. I met my friend there right when it opened and got a table because they don't take reservations, which is what I would recommend. <laughs> okay, great. We're going to take another break and come back. We're going to do my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is only industry on Heritage Radio Network. Oh, won't you save all your pumpkin pie? Oh, won't you save all your pumpkin pie? Oh, won't you save all your pumpkin pie just for me, girl? Please don't give none away. Let it get sweeter by the day. Oh, won't you save it, baby? Won't you save it? Oh, won't you save it all for me? all your cherry jam or won't you save all your cherry jam or won't you save all your cherry jam just for me girl please don't give none away let it get sweeter by the day or won't you save it baby won't you save it or won't you save it all for me hi we're back this is all in the industry on heritage radio network I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Joe DiStefano. It's time for my speed round game. Are you ready? <laughs> I, I, I think so. I just had a quart of Diet Coke, so I'll be all right. Perfect. A little caffeine before we get going. So I'm just going to name two things, and you pick your preference. It's very easy. Here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat out. Wine, beer, or cocktail? Cocktail. Gave that one a lot of thought. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Chinatown in Flushing or Manhattan or elsewhere? Chinatown in Flushing. Easy one, right? <laughs> best in the United States. Now this I don't know how you're going to answer. Flushing or Elmhurst? If I had to pick only one? If you had to pick only one. Ooh. Flushing. Okay. Two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Queens? Queens. Queens, of course. Of course. I know. So I told you. Well, some of those were tricky, but most of them were easy for you. Mm -hmm. 
that's the game. Okay, so we'll talk some industry news. So today, uh, Pete Wells in the New York Times reviewed Meat Hook Sandwich in Williamsburg, and he gave it one star. Are you familiar with this place? Have you been there? I have not been there. I've been wanting to go there, and Mr. Wells has ruined it for me now. No, I thought it was an interesting review. It sounded really fascinating. Well, we can go together because I haven't been there either. But I think I, I, I feel like I've tried their food at events or maybe Smorgasburg or something because I thought I had been there. <laughs> but, you know, I thought I had had their food, but I haven't physically been to their mm-hmm. location. And I've heard wonderful things. I mean, it was, you know, it's a casual place. It sounds like it has amazing sandwiches. Oh. Yeah. Well. I mean, they're doing all their charcuterie in-house. Uh, you know, the I can't recall the sandwiches he described, but each one sounded better than the next. Yeah, I wrote some of them down. He had he had a hot chicken. He had Italian hero, roast pork, roast beef. Those are the ones he recommended. Mm-hmm. So he's a great writer. He can kind of sell you on on food and concepts, <laughs> but he, he sold me on it. Me too. Okay, great. Now, this week, Eater is doing its burger week. Uh, so one of the articles they had was the hottest burgers in New York City by Marguerite Preston. And some of them on the list, it was an interesting list of 18 burgers and... Some I had had, like Cherish Midi, which I really liked, but it also had American Cut, Alonda, uh, Gigi's, Emily. Well, I've heard Emily has a good burger, too, uh, elsewhere, but I don't know. I I, um, I like that they diversified their list, and it wasn't just the, the same ones I I typically hear about. Did you see this Yeah, I, th- I thought it was a good list, and, you know, I read the headline, but I forgot it was 18, and I kept scrolling down, and I was like, I, I forget who did which one, but, you know, many of the kind of burgery ones were like, okay, that's interesting, that's a burger, but then there was like, one of them was a mutton burger, and the other one was, uh, the ones that stood out to me were a mutton burger, mm-hmm. the one uh, at Wally Dufresne's place. Alder, Yes. And one of them that had foie gras on it. Yes, and I don't remember which was where yeah. either. I mean, don't get me wrong. All the burgery ones, <laughs> the more traditional ones were making me hungry, but the ones that kind of stood out were Yeah, because others. they're different. So it was a good list. Do you have a favorite burger place nowadays? Or the best burger you've had recently? Not really. You know, I like Corner Bistro in Long Island City, uh, you know, for a good pub bacon cheeseburger. Corner Bistro, is that different than Corner Bistro in Manhattan? No, it's the same owner. Same okay, one. I've, yep. I've been to the Manhattan one, not yep. recently. Good to know. My dive burger favorite has always been the burger joint in La Parker Meridian. I've never been there. I can't. I'm so ashamed to admit it. Well, you have to try it because, well, there's something just about the whole concept that's cool because you're in this really nice hotel and you go behind a curtain and then you're in happy days. <laughs> like, and the burger's really good. Um, and I was thinking this recently, this year, my favorite, like, heartier burger I've had was at Bar Sardines, their Fedora burger. Hmm. I would recommend it to anyone. And it sounds really weird. 
but I'll tell you what it had on it. It had smothered barbecue mayo special sauce, smoked cheddar, and thin crispy potatoes and cucumbers. It sounds really kind of not great, but it was so good. Um, yeah, serious burger at, at Bar Sardine. I'll have to try that. Yeah, well, and I'll have to try your Corner Bistro again in a different location, though. Because yes. that's been a standard, I think, on lists for a long time, the Corner Bistro Burger. Yeah, absolutely. Since before, I think I moved to New York. Okay, so in the last article I had, which is not happy news, and I'm still kind of taking it in, was just yesterday, the Chicago Tribune announced how famed chef Omar Cantu of Modo has died, and he apparently committed suicide and he was 38 years old, and he's a very respected modernist chef from Chicago. And I was actually planning to have him on my show to talk about the Trotter Project because he formerly had worked at Charlie Trotter's after when I had worked there. But he was a big part of this Charlie Trotter pod- Project. And I'm just so saddened by this because I didn't really know him very well, but I respected him. And um, it was just shocking. And I think the whole culinary community I, I keep seeing posts about it I think a lot of people are you know sad and and it's uh it's it's just awful I don't know that's all I want to say about it I don't know if you had any comment on it or if you knew of him yeah I mean I I know of him I obviously don't know the organization as well as you did but it's it's just sad you know there's a who could say you know there's, there's a lot of pressures in this industry and um you know i i have uh seen people uh you know it it it's hard to strike a balance sometimes for some people very true this article noted how there was a lawsuit too that he was involved in of some sort so yeah my condolences and it's just sad news so i'm sorry to be reporting that today but it is what's happening so Okay, we're going to take one more break, and we're going to come back and do my solo dining experience. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. Back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it's time for my solo dining experience. This week, I went to Alder, which we had briefly mentioned before. Here's the rundown. 
The location, 157 2nd Avenue by 10th Street in Manhattan's East Village. The concept, a modern interpretation of a public house. The chef and owner, Wiley Dufresne, formerly of WD50, and chef de cuisine Ryan Henderson. Why did I go? Because it was Test Kitchen Tuesday, a new concept by Wiley, who is known as a molecular gastronomy pioneer. My experience. Well, I was on the wait list and received a call day of that there was an 8 p.m. reservation available, so I took it. I sat in a nice two-top in the corner of the dining room and received excellent service. Now, one of the bussers accidentally took away one of my dishes before I was finished eating, but he quickly replaced it, and it, and it, was, it was a very nice gesture because I really didn't need it, another dish, but thank you for doing that. What did I get? Well... It was Test Kitchen Tuesday, and they offered a four-course tasting menu, which started with an amazing grilled cheese amuse, followed by hamachi with pea puree, okonomiyaki silver dollars with grilled octopus, Texas cassoulet with smoked duck, and brie. And to drink, I had unlimited fizzy water. My take, every dish was beautifully presented and interesting, in a good way. The silver dollars were like sweet and savory pancakes, And the brie was actually an ice cream brie that was heavenly, served with a triscuit, cherry, and cashew. The scene, a low-key crowd of foodies, perfect for adventurous eaters. Interesting tidbit, Wiley just announced yesterday that he's relaunching Alder at the end of the month from his regular a la carte menu to a $65 five-course prefix menu of entirely new dishes. I think this change is largely due to the success of the Test Kitchen Tuesday menu. Personal fun fact. The first and last time I was at Alder was in April 2013 when I also dined solo and I ended up sharing dishes with the table next to me. That didn't happen last night, but it can happen when you're solo dining. The cost, $55, not including tax and tip. Would I go back? Yes, I would. Website, aldernyc.com. So there's that. Have you been to Alder? I have not. It sounds really good. Well, this, you know, Wiley is always, he's, he's an, always thinking out of the box. And, um, yeah, everything I had was different, and uh, I have a lot of respect for him. So um, it looks like this tasting menu, other people will have an opportunity to try. Okay, so it's time for the final question. So next week I'm having on... Chef and TV personality Justin Warner and photographer Daniel Krieger, who worked together on Justin's first cookbook, The Laws of Cooking and How to Break Them, which is coming out in October. So, Joe, can you please ask a question for Justin and Daniel? Uh, sure, yeah. I, uh, so this question is for Justin? Well, they're both going to be on, so you can ask one question, you can ask them each a question, whatever. Great. So I'm going to ask them each a question. Okay. So, uh... For Justin, uh, do you have a favorite restaurant in Queens? And if so, what is it and why? Okay, good question. And my question for uh, Daniel Krieger is, um, do you have, what are your favorite photography apps for smartphones? Okay. Excellent. I will ask them. Look forward to hearing what they have to say. So that's the show. 
Thank you so much. Thank you, Sherry. <laughs> so I've been talking to Joe DiStefano of Chopsticks and Marrow. His website is chopsticksandmarrow.com, and his other website for events is nyepicureanevents.com. You can follow him at Joe DiStefano at New York Epicurean E. That's NY Epicurean E. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR at All Industry. And check out my Facebook page, uh, All in the Industry, as I post photos and news about the show. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes. And we have our website rebuild project going on right now for Heritage Radio Network. It's a Kickstarter campaign. So uh, we need a new website. So I hope you will become a backer. We would appreciate it. Thanks to Liz, my engineer today, and to Joe and everyone out there listening. I'm Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next Wednesday at 4 with another live show. Hope you'll tune in then. Thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.